This morning we begin a five-week, exciting five-week sermon series through uh, a letter, a letter that Simon Peter wrote. And Simon Peter is one of Jesus' closest disciples. And it's the letter of 1 Peter. And Peter writes this letter of encouragement to to these Christian believers who are scattered throughout this wide region, this region that we know today as Turkey. And so why do these Christian believers need encouragement? Well, these Christian believers wanted to be a holy people. They wanted to live holy lives. But it's hard because they are living in the midst of an unholy society. And because they are living in the midst of this unholy society, they are often mistreated. They're often misunderstood. They suffer persecution. And so the Apostle Peter writes this letter of encouragement to these Christian believers to encourage them to keep on keeping on, to keep living radically for Jesus, to keep being a holy people, to keep living holy lives in the midst of this unholy society. Does that sound familiar? Sounds a lot like the current world that we live in today, doesn't it? And isn't it cool that this letter that Peter wrote nearly 2,000 years ago is just as relevant for us today as it was for his original audience? You see, we too live in an unholy world. And we too need encouragement to keep on keeping on, to keep being a holy people, to keep living holy lives, even in the midst of an unholy world. And so over the next five weeks, my encouragement to you is this. I encourage you to take out your Bibles at home during the week and to read and reread this encouraging letter from, um, from Peter. And I believe that you'll find much encouragement as you pursue holy living in an unholy world. And so if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. And this morning, we're going to just take a look at a few verses in 1 Peter chapter 1. And so the book of Peter is actually almost towards the very end of your Bible. The last book of the Bible is Revelation. Then you have Jude, and then 1 and 2 and 3 John, and then we get to 1 and 2 Peter. So turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. And this morning we begin in verse 13. And it says this. It says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And so this morning, we're just going to talk story a little bit about holiness. What is holiness? What does it mean to be holy? I guess... A good way to define holiness is first to talk about what holiness is not. Holiness is not 
Bible knowledge. Holiness is not attending church every single Sunday. Holiness is not hanging around with godly people. Holiness is not doing the most good in your community. These things alone are not holiness. And so then, what is holiness? I like what the great preacher J.C. Ryle says about holiness. He says this. He says that holiness is the habit of being one mind with God. I like this second definition the best, uh, one of the best. Holiness is endeavoring to shun every known sin and to keep every known commandment. That's a pretty good definition for holiness. Holiness is striving to be like our Lord Jesus. The fourth definition. Holiness is being filled with the Holy Spirit and producing the fruit of the Spirit. And this, uh, the last, the fifth one, the last one I like the best. I think it's a really good definition. Holiness is walking in step with the Holy Spirit, which produces, who produces holy thinking and holy living in and through us. I like this list. I think it's a, I think it's a really good list. An interesting to, to, thing to note is that nothing on this list comes easily. Nothing on this list comes naturally to us. Everything on this list takes effort and hard work. If you've been a serious follower of Jesus Christ for any length of time, I think you'll agree with me that holiness takes a lot of effort and hard work. In fact, I'm going to be the first to admit that I struggle to be holy. I've been a Christian for over 20 years, and you would think that with over 20 years under my belt, belt, that it would be much easier to be holy. But the truth is that there are days when it's harder than ever to be holy. There are days when the gravitational pull of sin is ever before me, and the fight to be holy is as real and intense as, as it has ever been. It takes effort and hard work to be holy. This is my mountain bike. Um, I bought it when I I was a seminary student in Pasadena, California. And uh, this bike served me well. Whoa, jeez, I don't know how to ride my bike already. (laughs) For over three years, I rode this bike to and from school. Man, I love this bike. Now I'm putting it up for auction. Anyone, um, first bidder, $1,000? No. Um, but this bike, oh, it, was, it was great. And the reason I rode this bike wasn't because I loved biking. It was more because I was too cheap to pay for parking. Parking is so expensive at college. It's crazy. Man, it's highway robbery. And so I bought this bike. And I would bike to and from school for three years. Now, when I biked to school, it was very enjoyable. Guess why? Because it was downhill. <laughs> but when I had to bike home from school, 
it was the worst experience because it was kind of uphill. It required some effort and hard work to get uphill. And so the nerd that I am, I thought I'd provide you with a graphical depiction to hypothesize why the uphill traverse is so grueling and excruciatingly painful on the human condition. And so here is a graphical depiction of your uphill traverse. As you can see, when you ride your bike uphill, there's a lot of forces at work. That there's the force that you exert that propels you forward. But then there's also many forces that pull you downward. There's the force of mass times gravity that's parallel to the ground. There's the force of mass times gravity that's perpendicular to the ground. There's the force of rolling resistance. All of these forces are at work to pull you downward. So that when I'm riding my bike uphill, I need to exert effort and hard work. Why? Because gravity is always and all the time at work. So that if I am not exerting effort and hard work, then guess what? I'm going to be rolling backwards. I'm going to fall victim to the pull of gravity. In a spiritual sense, the gravitational pull of this world is usually away from God and toward evil and wickedness and darkness. And holiness takes effort and hard work. Why? Because the gravitational pull of sin is always and all the time at work. So that if I am not exerting effort and hard work, guess what? I'm going to backslide. I'm going to fall victim to the pull of the gravitation of sin. But the good news is this. The good news is that Jesus Christ has broken the gravitational pull of sin when he shed his blood on the cross. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we are free from sin and death. We are redeemed from the gravitational pull of sin. I love what the Pope Benedict XVI said about, about these, this gravitational force. He said this in his Palm Sunday Mass in 2011. He said, Human beings stand at the point of intersection between two gravitational fields. First, there is the force of gravity, which pulls us down towards selfishness, falsehood, and evil. The gravity which diminishes us and distances us from the heights of God. On the other hand, there is the gravitational force of God's love. The fact that we are loved by God and respond in love attracts us upward. So how do we move upward toward holiness? I think firstly we realize that the gravitational pull of sin is always and all the time at work. Then secondly, by grace, we receive and believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and has broken the gravitational pull of sin. And then thirdly, we need to put in some effort and hard work to be holy. What effort and hard work? 
I know you didn't just say effort and hard work. What about grace, you ask? I'm glad you asked. That's a good question. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Listen to what the writer says. He says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Make every effort, put in effort and hard work to live at peace with everyone and to be holy. I think, here's, I think the mistake that we sometimes make is this. We sometimes, uh, we sometimes think that hard work and effort is the opposite of grace. But hard work and effort is not the opposite of grace. Rather, hard work and effort is, because, uh, is the result of experiencing a life of grace. I love what uh, this theologian, his name is D.A. Carson. I love this term that he uses. Listen to this term closely. He says, he uses this term called grace-driven effort. I love that term, grace-driven effort. Listen to what D.A. Carson says about grace-driven effort on the bottom of your screen. He says, spiritual growth comes through grace-driven effort. Pray for the grace, and then make the effort. Isn't that good? When we look at this picture with spiritual eyes, we realize that people don't just drift toward godliness. People don't just drift toward holiness. The gravitational pull of sin is always toward compromise and disobedience and and prayerlessness and godlessness. When we drift, we always drift downwards. And drifting is easy and takes no effort. We just do nothing. And we just allow gravity to pull us wherever it chooses. However... Holiness comes through effort and hard work. Holiness comes through grace-driven effort. Pray for the grace and then make the effort. Okay, Thomas, I get it. So So holiness takes a lot of effort and hard work. But is it worth it? Is holiness worth it? Am I missing out? I mean, I have friends, and they're partying, and they're enjoying the gravitational pull of sin, and it looks like they're not hurting anyone. It looks like they're having a good old fun time, and it looks like I'm missing out. Am I missing out? Is holiness worth it? Good question. Glad you asked. Let me uh, answer that question with a story. There was this little eight-year-old girl, and she lived in a small town in West Virginia. And one day she was turned on the TV, and it was and it was on the Olympics, and she was so she was glued to the television, and she watched as this Olympian twisted and twirled her way to a gold medal. 
And so she was so inspired that this eight-year-old little girl in front of the TV said, I'm going to the Olympics one day. I'm going to win the Olympics. And there and then, she began to practice her splits in the living room. Over the next few years, she started to train in gymnastics. And it was obvious that she had some talents and skills. And she began to win some local competitions in her area. But there was a huge problem. And the problem was this. The training options in her hometown was very limited. And in order for her to go to the next level, she would need to find a professional coach. And so she researched And she found a professional coach which was willing to train her at a training facility, but it was in Houston, Texas. And so she begged and pleaded with her parents to let her go to Houston, Texas. But her parents refused. Her parents didn't feel that a 13-year-old girl should move halfway across the country on her own. Well, over the next year, she kept pleading and begging with her mom and dad. And finally, her parents relented. And they scraped up enough money and they sent her halfway across the country to Houston, Texas. And upon arriving in Houston, Texas, barely a teenager, she became homesick. She missed her family and her friends. But she quickly got herself into this routine of intense effort and hard work. Listen to her schedule. Every single day, from 7 to 11 o'clock a.m. in the morning, she would be in the gym putting in effort and hard work and training. And then for the rest of the afternoon, it would be school. And then she'd go back to the gym from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. in the evening for more training, for putting in more effort and hard work. And then she'd wake up the next day and do it all over again. For two years, she kept up this grueling schedule. And her name is Mary Lou Retton. In 1984, all of her effort and hard work paid off. Mary Lou Retton became the first American to win gold in the women's all-around gymnastics competition. But her Olympic victory came at a tremendous cost. It caused her to move halfway across the country from her parents and her friends. It required her to miss out on her childhood, and it took a significant toll on her body. When Mary Lou Retton was asked about moving from West Virginia to Houston as a teenager and being so far away from family and friends and the homesickness she felt, was it worth it? Listen to Mary Lou Retton's response. She said this, it was all worth it. If I hadn't gone I would never be 
where I am today. Isn't that true of holiness? When asked about her childhood, but what about your childhood? Didn't you miss out? Listen to her response. Mary Lou Retton says, You give up your childhood. You miss proms and games and high school events, and people say it's awful. But I say it was a good trade. You miss something. But I think I gained more than I lost. Isn't that true of holiness? Looking back on her life, Mary Lou Retton acknowledges the huge sacrifice that she made along the way. Listen to what she says about sacrifice. Listen closely. She says this. She says, I view sacrifice as a kind of moral investment where what you give up now in the way of immediate gratification will eventually pay you tremendous dividends down the line. Isn't that true of holiness? If you want to be holy, you have to be willing to put in effort and hard work. But I promise you, it is infinitely worth it. The scripture verse again for today. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy. For I am holy. Amen.